Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Allianz Leagues. Tip the scale. Just remember that, then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Now, come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. So, I received correspondence last night from a man I know, Mort Brannock. He asked a great question. Um, I should say he played a bit of football himself, coaches a bit now, as well as coaching boxing. And he's been to see his county play in every match they've played so far this year, whether it was the preseason competition or, or the league. And he wants to know this. If you had to call the All-Ireland winners based on the league so far, who would you go for? We're going to try and answer that question today. And we're also going to look at promotion and relegation across the National Football League, at the rise of Loud and the fall of Kildare, and at much, much more. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined by former Mayo footballer and manager James Horn, by the former Sligo footballer Neil Ewing and by Morris Brosnan of the Irish Examiner. James, straight up, if you had to call the All-Ireland winners based on the league so far, who would you go for? God. Um, well, if you're looking at consistency at the minute, um, Mayo are obviously in a very strong position. Um, I think they've been far ahead of of um each team that they've played in, in particularly the three that they've won um um dominant against Kerry and and and, and Tyrone I thought dominant against Roscommon at the weekend um ran out of a bit of juice maybe at the at the end um but but they're running very very strong uh doing very very well so so they'd be they'd be very strong of course our our, our dear neighbors um after the last couple of games in particular particularly yesterday at 14 men Obviously, Galway talking about uh, Neil. Um, you, you know, fourteen men against the wind, <laughs> down and to come back and to come back and and win. Um, re- really strong there. So, so they look good. But look, you, then you're looking around Derry and you're looking at you know, obviously Dublin there and even the way Cavan are playing further back. So, so they're the ones that are showing. But I just ultimately you, you don't really know what's happening this year. Um, I, I think. yeah, that's it, isn't it? I was thinking that last night. That's exactly. Yeah. I don't know where things are. I, 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 um, there's such variation from game to game. You know, look at look at Tyrone. You know, in their last their last couple of games, the difference. Then you know, we talked here about their their attitude and 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 where they were, and um, and then they come out with that performance. Uh, you know, against Kerry. So it's a very unpredictable league. Um, and I think that's compounded by a number of different things. You, you know, injuries obviously play a, a factor. The, the change in seasons and how the the GA calendar now is, and then on top of that, you have changes this year with the new format. What the provincial championship will be, um, then the All Ireland and and the, and the group series, etc., etc., etc. So, you, you you know, you've you've managers that are are looking. Um, not not at league first, I would say. Looking at you know where where they be short, medium, and long term, um, you know, and, and medium being the provincials and, and long term being obviously the Ireland series uh, and 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 Tolgen. So I don't think the performances that we see um, are, are are truly reflective of of, of of teams' capabilities. I suppose in 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 a, in a simple way of, of of saying it. So, but but having said that, like if you're there's a couple of managers in position now they don't want to be in. You know, they're they're facing relegation, relegation paths. You know, if you're Jack O'Connor, I know Jack said didn't really put too much into the league and they were slow coming back and all that kind of stuff, but they're facing a relegation battle. That's that's what you don't want. That's weight you don't want as you're looking to move into your the next phase of the season when the provincial championship. So so it's very unpredictable, I I, I would say at the moment, uh, Paul, um, based on based on a number of factors. Neil, you're very welcome to the podcast. How, how do you look at look at it so far? Who do you see as being favourites for the All Ireland based on the league? Yeah, I suppose um, that qualifier that you're adding at the end of that question based on the league is the key part there. Um, you know, if you look at it solely based on the league, it's it's very hard to to look past Mayo. The only thing there is with that question, it's very hard to I suppose 
you know, uh, exclude all the other information that you have available to you. And, you know, for me, probably the best team in the country still at the minute are Kerry, even if they haven't showed it in this league. If you were to look at, you know, all the information available to you, tourist championship. Um, I think James touched on a very important point there in terms of the unpredictability of this league or how much you can read into it. I think probably for a number of reasons, we've ended up for the first time in a few years where we don't have the eight best teams in the country in Division 1. And, you know, that's no slight maybe on some of the teams that are in Division 1. But I think undoubtedly Derry and Dublin are, are, are two of the best eight teams in the country. You know, they find themselves in Division 2. There's been, you know, a few counties in Division 1 have had probably um, maybe not chaotic winters, but winters that they wouldn't have liked. So Division 1 is maybe not where it has been for the last number of years where you've Definitely each year had probably seven, if not the eight best teams in the country there. So Division One form isn't what it would have been in the last five, six years. And then Division Two, you have two of the best teams in the country. I think, I don't know, may, maybe I'm overestimating, but I think Cork as well are a team that could have a say later on in the championship. But um, yeah, in, in terms of taking just league form, I think Mayo and then, you know, looking... It, it seems crazy, but to take a team from Division 2, I think Derry are, are a team that we have to look at as well for an all, as an All-Ireland contender. And Morris? Uh, I think the, the lads nailed it there. There's there's definitely... The one caveat that you had to the point about basing on a league, Paul, is that it's a lot harder to read into Division 1 than it is Division 2. If you look at the two, what do you want to call them, the warm-ups for rematches we're going to get in the first round of the Connor Championship, or... Uh, and the Munster Championship this summer. So you're going to have Cork play Clare last weekend, Roscommon played Mayo last weekend, and they're both going to play each other in what, five, six weeks' time. And the difference in approach to both games is particularly interesting. You know, Cork went gung-ho for that game. They seem to have a lot invested in it. Uh, it's no surprise, but the second I arrived in Dr. Hyde Park yesterday, it was very obvious that there was talk of changes the minute she got there, that neither of these teams were going full bore. I thought it was really interesting, even when Mayo did bring on Ryan Runhu and Aidan O'Shea. They didn't give Roscommon one chance to throw a matchup against Aidan O'Shea. He was brought on around the middle of the field for all the, the success we've talked about him on the edge of the square. So I, I think when you talk about shadow boxing, Paul, sometimes it's, it is come back to that idea of how much stress goes into these games. You can see that in Division 2, even the Derry Dublin game Saturday night, like Brian Fenton fist bumped to the crowd. They, there was a lot invested into that game and I don't see the same level in some Division 1 games. So, I find it harder to read into form of all the divisions, actually. I find it nearly harder to read into the form in Division 1 compared to what we're seeing elsewhere. That's that's an excellent answer, Morris, except who do you think is going to win the All-Ireland based on where we start so far? Uh, it's, it's a roundabout way of saying I don't want to base on what we've seen so far, but if I have to, I'll say Mayo. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make myself very very popular. Why I think Galway are the best team that I've seen so far uh, from from the matches. I think they've clipped along really nicely. I thought the day that Mayo um, took Tyrone apart down in down in Galway, Galway were having a really nice hard won victory that was there. They went to Monaghan, who who or they beat Monaghan, who have they've had trouble with. In the past, I think that I do accept that down being down Silicon Malloy is difficult, but I think they put together a pretty serious panel there. And I think it's I think Kerry are the team to beat, but I think Galway are the ones who were who are closest to them. James, Dublin, Dublin Derry. Where do Dublin stand now? Yeah, we we chat about them last week in a, in a must win, win win game up there. Um I thought they should have won the game. Um so, so I, I wouldn't look as much into the into the one point defeat as such. I, I, I thought, um, look, we know where Derry are. I think it's always it's always right to to to, to recognise the winners. I, I, I think Derry are um, a really really good team, um, uh, re really well organised. And look, at that that sounds. I'm not trying to diminish them in any way. There's some really really good players, excellent players that, that we saw in the second half. Uh, when they went when they went for the last day but but um so they're they're there's there's a lot they're bubbling along very very nicely uh Terry and, and and Rory be delighted with that game the dubs coming to town the dubs wanted to win wanted to get their confidence back it was a big game you saw the way Dublin started 
um, how, how they went about that and the prep for the week. You could tell that they were they were really good at Dublin in the first first twenty minutes, and Derry, Derry were the opposite. But but Rory would be delighted with that. I think I saw a quote from him this this morning. You know, not trying to disrespect the rest of the division too, but they know they're better than a lot of the the other teams in there. So to so for Dublin to come up. And for them to beat them, that's huge for their for the, for the conference, I believe. So, so Derry be delighted. Scarlet Dublin, was that I thought they were. I I, I thought the first twenty five minutes. Um, I thought the crispness of their passing, um, particularly hand passing, which is what I always associate Dublin with when they're playing well. The hand pass is crisp. It's quick. It's right into the runner's path. It doesn't have to break stride. Um, they're they're all moving and all all have a, uh, you know we're all in sync. So I thought I thought that was there and conducted by Brian Fenton, who who um, when he's playing well, it, it makes it look so easy. Um, you know, and he was drifting out to right half forward there, and he got so much ball in the first half um, out out in that pocket and and did well. And you know they looked. Gannon was pushing hard, and you you know Khan was was dangerous as as ever up front. So there was a lot of stuff that. That was good. Uh, now Derry made it very easy for them. Too. I was just going to say, to you, oh, do you remember that five-a-side soccer team you were talking about last week with yourself and Peter Canavan and <laughs> things? I think you could have probably been looked fairly comfortable the way Derry played in the first half. Yeah, I I, I don't know why or how a team would was was would would uh, would, would um, I'd say fitness to get us in the end, Paul. You know that'd be the only thing. You know. <laughs> 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 but, but I, I don't know how, and I, I, I'm sure Rory will be addressing that. And, and uh, you know, they, they've they've a way, they've a method of play, um, which is which is very very effective. But they just they got it wrong in the first half. They're they're they were just dropped too deep, and that happens maybe when your energy and focus isn't what it should be. You know, you just drop a little bit safer, become a little bit more conservative, and you, you know you don't make those hard runs from from player one to player two to player three. You know, keeping the ball outside, you, you you drop off that a little bit. Yeah, and then you drop a little, you drop a little bit more, and all of a sudden it's it's hard to shake that malaise. You know, you need half time to just get 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 four or five of the key guys and get it sorted and get the structure back again. And that's that's what what I'd say they did. So so, but look, back to your question, Dublin. Um, I, I I thought there was a there Do you not think before 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 you say anything, do you not think though when the squeeze came on in the second half, Dublin wilted and they they weren't able I you can argue about a couple of decisions, you can argue about a couple of missed a goal missed goal chance and all of that, but did they not wilt under the pressure of a bit of an onslaught in the second half in a way that isn't common? Yeah. Oh, they're not the team they were. Their confidence is rattled. Dublin's confidence isn't isn't what it was. So they're they're searching for that. They're searching for wins to eke out hard things so that they can build their confidence because it's a bit frail compared to what they were. They even playing badly. They they won you know games anywhere anytime against anyone, and you know, they had players to bring on that they knew would do it. All that kind of stuff. They they don't really have that. But I suppose. The point I'm making at, at, at the beginning, Kieran Kilkenny squares that ball. I've never seen Kieran Kilkenny not give the right pass um, yeah. at the right time, particularly a hand pass, because that's what he's brilliant at. Yeah. He's that leaning forward motion where he almost falls when he passes it. He passes it with a bit of topspin on it, and it dips dips into Cormac Costello. And Cormac Costello, he, he can head or volley that. He can almost do whatever yeah. he wants with that because he's so much like... Make a sandwich I, with it and then score. I can't believe that. And I, some, Sometimes the manager, I, I remember... I'd, I'd look into that a bit more because Kieran Kilkenny sees Cormac Costello all day long, from, for, in, in, in my opinion. Uh, and even when Kieran hand passed over there, he turned around, he didn't acknowledge that Kieran Costello was there. I found, I just find some things like that a little bit strange. So I, I could be looking too much into that, but but that was the winning of the game for, for, for Dublin. So Dublin could have and probably should have won that. I thought it was a foul out of the far, the far side as well with the last play. Um, but but to, to finish my point, I know I'm, I'm, I'm off a little bit. But Brendan Rodgers' score at the end, I take I accept your point for him to get through and walls through like he did. Now he's yeah. a brilliant player and he's very fast. I'm not, but there was the amount of Dublin people there that were in close proximity, the Dublin defenders that didn't really try that. Everything that you've got to whatever happens, he doesn't get the shot off. You know, that's exactly that wasn't there. That wasn't that's there. Exactly that's it. that's the one thing that you take right. Okay, still not still not all all right, maybe. 
I see this that this is exactly it. So it's that score, but it was also in the middle of the half when Derry got back into the game. I I thought D- Dublin didn't body up on the tackles the way they often do, where you can see that they are absolutely hammered down to get a hand in here, and you're not going by us regardless of what. And they held a line and they thought and Neil, I was I was I was wondering about this. Is that just should we should we not read too much into that because it's the start of March and they're trying to go, or should we be looking at saying there's a couple of lads here who are just not able anymore. And and I suppose I'm specifically asking you when when you are coming towards your end as a player, like is that what the problem was? You just couldn't quite get there. Yeah, and I think maybe just to start off for a bit of perspective, you know, we're we're talking about a, a Dublin team going up to Derry, probably you know one of the form teams in the country, uh, a possible contender for the All Ireland. Losing by one point in a league game in March, you know, we're, we're reading an awful lot into that, and you know, we're probably comparing this Dublin team to, you know, a generational team. Like so, um, it's it's a very high bar that 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 we're judging them against. In terms of you know maybe uh, some of the more established players on the Dublin team, uh, and maybe when you know that that uh, you're in trouble, uh, yeah, maybe from my own perspective. It was probably a few years before I finished. Um, I remember it was a winter. We went back to do some uh, some fitness tests in first session, and it was probably the first winter that guys who would have had six seven years of development squad exposure, maybe S and C work done, came in, and you've seen the aerobic capacity some of these guys had in in October or mid October. You know, you're you're kind of blown away. That maybe starts to to plant the seed with you, but you know, I think um, for for some of those Dublin guys. The transition that Dublin have had in the last number of years from, you know, some of the, the big names that we all know, it was probably a little more gradual, whereas to be fair to Desi Farrell, in the last two years, I think there's been more of a, a bigger transition. And, you know, I think James is probably, you know, very well placed to talk about him. You know, he managed a transition in, in the Mayo group of, you know, a lot of guys at the one time probably moving on. And what Mayo seemed to have at that time was phenomenal athletes coming through again, you know, in terms of physical specimens. And now I always think, and maybe James again will, will correct me if I'm wrong on this, but that was something that, that James and Mayo targeted was getting those guys with that athletic ability. And that's maybe something I've noticed in the Dublin guys that have come in. They're not maybe those athletic, and maybe it's the wrong term to use, but freaks that they had before. You know, the likes of... yeah. Michael Darren McCauley's, Paul Flynn's, you know, they were just absolutely phenomenal athletes, first and foremost, and, you know, phenomenal footballers on top of that. The Dublin guys coming in at the minute, you know, you can argue maybe where their skill levels are at, but I don't think they're as physically dominant as they were before. And, you know, people used to talk about Dublin's execution of the basics and their ability to grind teams down. And, you know, I think a lot of that came from physical dominance before, and often they got a score... It was just an easy score from the edge of the D, but it was an easy score from the edge of the D because it was a guy making one more overlap and run. It was an easy hand pass over the bar. So I just don't think they're at that anymore. So those established players don't maybe have the legs around them that the established players maybe five, six years ago had. Yeah, actually, uh, James Neal has made a really good point there about the Mayo transition. How do you know? How do you know when a player is done? How do you know when a player is done? Um, well, the player, the player knows themselves. Um, um, Did you have any conversations with lads who came to you and said, "I'm not feeling it anymore"? Ah, you, 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 you would, as, as Neil said, we'd, in, in, a, in 2021, with with a, a huge amount, we did players um, that that went in a very short space of time. Um, huge, huge, huge servants to Mayo, but you, you have all kinds of conversations um, with, with 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 players, and at intercounty level, you know, confidence can be a huge thing. And players know themselves are getting a little bit older, or if they get beaten for a ball, they're wondering is their speed gone a little bit, or is their endurance gone? Um, so, so, so you have that sort of nat- natural doubt. I, I, I would say that that would be there. There'll be some obvious ones that that some people over 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 winter. Um, you know, depending on the age profile, usually will will just reflect and see where they are, and maybe with their partner or their family or whatever, just can't face into the the preseason as it comes, you know, as it's coming up, and and, and just make a life life decision there. So there, there, there's some of that. So there's various different 
different um, types of one. You know, it's it's a much more difficult conversation if there's a player that you see that's yeah. That's I'm just, just going to ask you about this. I'm just, just going to ask you. That's just not there, and and and. But I suppose the transition we, we, we dealt with um, a lot of those players were huge players for Mayo for 10, 12 years that know the game, know the scene uh, inside out. So a lot of those guys would 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 they'd be, you know, making their own call as such. Um, some of some of the guys that retired, you know, Chris Barish and Mache. Those guys still, they still um, had something to offer uh, at an intercounty level. You know, maybe not the, every league game, not not maybe every training or, or whatever. You, you know, at, at, in a different capacity. But but you know, the competitors that they are, they make they make a decision based on what they you know what they think they can do. So there's there's multiple different conversations, Paul. Um, and, and when you retired, when you finished playing yourself, when did you know that that you weren't able anymore? Oh, um, oh God, yeah, yeah. Uh, two thousand return two thousand and two. Um, um, I came back in two thousand two. I think Pat Holmes had, had, had taken over. Yeah, and I came back in, and I knew from I, I knew from from session one that the legs weren't weren't great, um, and and maybe just the, the motivation wasn't wasn't that strong. Um, and there's there's loads of factors for for, for me in that. I had a serious operation the year before. Um, the rehab back then wouldn't be as as uh, as well managed as it is now, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So I came back in, in in pretty poor, pretty poor shape. A lot of stuff changing jobs and family and that kind of stuff. So so, um, and again, the lifestyle wouldn't be as well managed as it is for an intercounty player now as, as as such. So so just there was a lot of different pulls going on. So when the training, you know, and, and back then it was a lot of, um, Linil, you know, there's a lot of laps or we were doing a lot of running on Innisgrown Beach and we're, you know, all that kind of hard stuff was going on. So, so um, for, for, for me, uh, I, I, the motivation wasn't there. And then so the fitness wasn't there. And, uh, you know, you're a little bit older, you're maybe even getting a little bit cranky um, on, 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 on stuff. So I, I, I knew that I wouldn't be... Um, near what I could be but 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 stuck it out it was a free taker back then and that kind of stuff and sort of stuck it out you know I got a couple of points a game but 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 hanging around the edges of games you know because you didn't have the the thrust and I remember it ended up actually in the quarterfinal we played uh, in Croker we played Cork and I I I I wasn't I wasn't fit, but I was marking Kieran O'Sullivan, and I, oh Jesus oh, Christ, yeah, this that's, guy! That's a long afternoon. If, so yeah. I remember a ball actually. A ball was long. Ball was kicked in. I was, I was full forward, right? And Kieran O'Sullivan was behind me. Long ball was kicked in, but the bounce was high, so I was run towards it. So I had to stop to get the the bounce. The bounce right would have gone over my head. Stop a little bit. But Kieran O'Sullivan came from behind me and sort of smashed it as I went to crack. Smashed it down in front of him. Ran past me, got the break of his own break, and ran up the field. Like it's like the Red Sea opened. There was no one in front of him, <laughs> and he started running six or seventy yards. And I just knew I, I so I put the head down, and started running after him, and he just pulled away and pulled away. And after that, I knew, do you know what? This I should, I sort of shouldn't be out here. So, so I think soon after that, I got the, I got called to the sideline, and that that was it. But, but basically, you know, you, you you know yourself a player, and if your motivation is 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 isn't there to try and eke out every single bit that you can well then 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 you'll be you'll, you'll be found out uh you should have done a lot of pointing at other lads there James, <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just yeah. pass him on pass kieran i've been passing kieran and sullivan on very early yeah, yeah yeah um morris you were you were in you were in hyde park so i'll tell you my i'll tell you what my i think mayo have been excellent in the league but i'll tell you my worry for mayo and it is when against armal they didn't close out the game and against roscommon yesterday they didn't really close it out. Ben Benacar had a chance at the end for a winner. I thought, I thought they were a little bit loose at the end, and maybe again, I know they changed the team a whole lot, and maybe that's just not right to, 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 to focus on that. But that would that's a niggle that's there. Is that did you get that sense there, or what? What did you think of Mayo yesterday? Um, I didn't get this. It's the you know for all the talk about the the old Mayo, they're still or the new Mayo. Sorry, they're still the the old Mayo, like there's still a as entertaining to team as you're going to find in the country, and what looked like a kind of a 
relatively comfortable afternoon suddenly became a very dramatic finish. But I don't, I have to say, I don't, I think it would have been, they would have absolutely stole it. If someone won that game, they would have absolutely stole it. Like, Mayo were comfortably the better team, I thought, for large stretches of that game. Um, a lot of their players who were standing up now were guys who got exposure over the last couple of years and are really starting to make it their own. I thought Jack Harney in centre forward was was absolutely excellent. Uh, Dave McBride in fullback. Sounds like Roy Brickenden has a, a long term injury, so that jersey could suddenly become his. Um, Bob Tuckey came on, kicked a great point in his left foot. So I, I think there's a lot of encouraging signs with Mayo. I wouldn't necessarily read too much into the manner of the close of the game. As I said, I think the Mayo we see in five weeks will be very different, and already there's a lot of positive signs within it. Uh, even just small stuff in the first half, Paul, like they. There's no team in the country who you shouldn't carry into contact against as much as Mayo. I think they had 10 turnovers in the first half. So, you know, Matt Joran, textbook tackle down the touchline. Dave McBride had a great one. Coyne in the other corner. So there's a lot of, there's a huge amount of encouraging signs around them. I wouldn't, I, I just find it hard to put too much stock in the, the, the manner of that late class. Maybe the two goals would have think. Okay. The, the most interesting moment for me was Ryan Dunhu going for, Ryan Dunhu comes in on the touchline, very similar to that Kilkenny one. But they're three points up. They just conceded a goal. He's only on the field. A minute and he decides to square it to the back post to Tommy Conroy. Um, I, th- I thought that was really interesting that they went for that. And we, I asked Kevin McStay afterwards if he had the chance back, what would he have done? Like, what would you have liked your player to do in that situation? And he was adamant if we're coaching lads Tuesdays and Thursdays to hit the man on the back post, he has to, has to take that chance. Like, you can't, I think his quote was, you can't coach guys to be safe, safe, safe. So it was interesting in the context of with three, three of those incidents this weekend, Amara point up against Donegal. Ball is squared back across Mernon. He fluffs it. Kilkenny doesn't give it and puts the ball over the bar. That's the only one that scored. The Tommy Connery rattled the crossbar. So uh, even still, I still think Kilkenny should have squared it back across. But overall, I wouldn't be, yeah, I wouldn't read too much into the, the manner that goes in that game because I don't know how much stock either of these teams are putting into this game. Yeah, were you impressed with Ross Common? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I, I, I wasn't. Right. Was I impressed with what was coming? I was very impressed by this. The manner, the first 20 minutes, I thought they were they were very poor. Like re, as, as poor as you'll, you'll see, just incredibly naive. They didn't score anything. They were very lucky to get, I think it was a free to finally get off the mark. Um, but the manner of their, their fight back, just whatever you want to call it, the spirit and resolve that they have was, was particularly impressive. The one thing that was glaring for me yesterday was I, I do think Ulton Harney is a, such a massive loss for that team. Like just somebody else, uh, a guy who... Who I, who, the more and more you watch him, the more, more you realise how integral he's become to this version of Mayo, kind of as a defensive midfielder, is Jim O'Connor. I, I think the, the work he gets through is is absolutely phenomenal. Um, that block at the end kind of summed it up for me. And Roscommon would, as as good as they are and as powerful a run as they are, they would really use a hole in midfielder like in that mould. So I think that the more and more we go into the summer, the more and more you realise that's a, that's a huge loss. But the way they fought back was good. They got a huge impact off the bench. Uh, Dara Craig came on and looked lively, but beyond that, uh, I thought they were they were very patchy. The same thing I would have said about the Galway game. That was the worst game I've been at this year. I thought they were lucky to get a win there. So I think they're coming back to the mean here. This, I think, you know, to be on three wins at this stage is is still a good outcome for for us coming. Yeah, and 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 not safe though either. And that's the the fascinating thing about it, Neil. They they could still be in bother there. Yeah, I thought I heard David Burke interviewed uh, on the radio yesterday, and I thought it was very interesting. He was asked about, you know, did he want to make a league final? He, he entertained the question, and you know, I absolutely love David Burke. Every time I hear him talk, you know, you're really reaching for a pair of boots. You know that enthusiasm that he has. I just thought it was maybe a little bit naive that that to even entertain the thoughts of wanting to be in a league final or not, because I think Roscommon are in a right bit of trouble. Just you look looking at the fixtures that they have coming up. I don't think six points is going to be enough to keep. Them They're safe. away to Kerry and a home to Donegal. At home to Donegal, who Donegal will also be on that last day fighting for their lives, most likely. Yeah, like it's it's going to be very hard to go to Kerry uh, and get a win there, and then yeah, you're probably into possibly a relegation playoff um, on the last day against Donegal. You know, Roscommon six points if Kerry beat them, that'll bring Kerry to six. Kerry are going to have them on the head to head. So I think Roscommon, after the great start, are probably in a, a perilous position. And, um, you know, definitely um, Kevin McStay will, will be probably, maybe it goes without saying they're, they're top of Division 1, but himself and Rory Gallagher will be very, very happy managers after the weekend, but probably most happy because of the patchy periods that both their teams showed and what they're going to learn from that in victory.
Yeah, that's that's the thing. This thing of relegation from it's one thing to be relegated from Division One, but to be relegated from Division Two or Division Three is a is a huge knock on a team. And I suppose I suppose there's no real there's no real easy way to ask you this question, but what's it like to be relegated? Who's that question in there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose, um, yeah, unfortunately, I had experience of relegation. No, you know, probably um, the perception would have been that, that that's like our, our regular candidates for relegation. But I suppose over my 13, 14 years involved, uh, we had two relegations. And they both kind of bookended uh, my career. So, um, you know, I came in 2008. We had successive promotions in the nine and ten. Got up to Division Two, and played Division Two 2011. And uh, yeah, actually a very funny season. Um, the year started off. We had a draw with um, uh, a team under new management. Went on to do decent after that. Uh, <laughs> up in Ballyboffey against uh, Donegal. Neil McGee had the late goal against us to, to get a draw for Donegal. But uh, I suppose final league game, um, we went up to Newbridge and um, uh, last minute point from Eamon Callan uh, got a win for Kildare. They beat us by a point. Uh, simultaneously, uh, Mead uh, kicked a late equaliser against Tyrone and that point kept them up on uh, scoring them. So that relegated us. But I suppose if you can imagine as a, as a 20, 21 year old, um, you know, I, I remember driving back to college uh, from training that year, back down to Goal one night, and then just saying to the lad in the car, how great it would be to, you know, have five or six years of Division Two team. You know, that would be a decent effort for Sligo to be operating at. But you kind of felt, we got relegated that year. As a young lad, you felt, you know, we'll get back up to Division Two. Um, but it, it, it went on. We spent, what, seven, eight years in Division Three trying to get promoted. And I suppose... Maybe that little bit of flippancy that I would have had about relegation in 2011, you know, it was the complete opposite of that. In 2019, we were relegated from three to four. And I suppose maybe, um, yeah, with the wisdom uh, wisdom of age or relative age, uh, you know, that, that hit very, very hard. I was going to say, yeah, that's three to four is, is, a, is, a, is a cruel one. Yeah, three to four is a cruel one. And, you know, I think even when I would have started off, Division Four, it was kind of every year there was two, maybe three teams who were very likely to come out of or who would have streamed away from the pack. Yeah. But Division Four evolved over the years, and it's now become a bit of a bear pit in that there's, you know, four or five teams who can all beat each other, probably best exemplified by, by Division Four this year. So, you know, I remember that day, it was actually early March because we had lost all our league games, maybe third or fourth of March 2019. We were relegated to Division 4. And, yeah, there was a lot of introspection after that because you just knew it was not going to be straightforward to come up out of Division 4. Particularly, you know, we had two years of management change and big turnover of players. We were going down. It wasn't the Division 4 where it was, where, you know, you were probably going to, come down to maybe one game um, which was going to decide your fate and um, so yeah it, it's, it was really really disappointing to go down and yeah it's yeah I suppose you questioned everything you're doing and, and you know for me a big fear was you know how it reflected and you know among even young people in the county or you know possible future Sligo footballers I guess it's maybe something that's a little unique to Sligo that, that's not not as big a problem in, in some of the other counties. You know, particularly, you know, if I look at Mayo, for example, our, our nearest and dearest uh, neighbours, Gaelic football in Mayo is absolutely huge. You know, every youngster in Mayo, I see even second-generation Mayo uh, guys around Sligo, and all they want to do is wear, wear that Mayo jersey and kick football for Mayo. But in Sligo, you know, Sligo Rovers... You know, there's a great academy set up there. Even Sligo Rugby Club, very popular. So we already have a smaller playing population. We have uh, competition from uh, rugby and soccer. So you're very conscious that going down to Division 4, are some of those 12, 13, 14-year-olds going to be as ambitious to want to play uh, Gaelic football for Sligo? So, you know, all that comes into it. And, and that's the reality of it. You know, you want to be playing at the top level. And 
when that relegation happens, it's a very easy thing for people in the county to kind of throw the hat at it and, you know, to be honest, to be little Sligo football and be little Sligo footballers and that doesn't create a next generation of footballers. Yeah, it's it's that cycle you get into and I was looking actually at Division 4 and, and Division 3 and there's this idea that the league has been such an, an enormous success and there's a, there's, a, there's a pathway through from the bottom to the top and six of the teams in Division 4 now we're in Division Four, the first time that Division Four was established. So that's six out of eight, and 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 well, there's another team, Kilkenny, who don't even play anymore uh, at this level. So it's it's there's a bit of a kind of a spurious um, idea around that. And I look though at Division Four. Do you think Sligo will go up this year? I think they've had a they're, really good. They're top with leash on. They're top with leash on on eight points with Wicklow behind. Wicklow had another good win at the weekend, beaten beating Leitrim, uh, that, that's a that's a big turnaround in in Leitrim season and uh, or in Wicklow season and in Leitrim's in the opposite direction and Wexford hanging on there. What wh- how do you see that division division four? Who's coming out of division four? Yeah, it's you know I've I've been you know reasonably happy with Sligo's league. You know obviously disappointing performance and result against Leitrim the first day, but but ever since they've been brilliant. But I think they're in a very awkward position in that they're still going to have to win. Uh, their last two games to assure themselves of promotion, and that's just the way the fixtures have fallen. Uh, you know, Leitrim are there on six points. Another two wins will get them promoted. Sligo have eight points, and they're still going to need another two wins. I think you touched on it there. Wicklow, they have Waterford and Wexford to play. That's going to get them to eleven points. So there's there's a right good chance that those eleven points could get could get Wicklow promoted. I, I, well, well, I think Wexford will be a really tricky game for Wicklow in two weeks' time. I think Wexford Park is is not going to be straightforward, and Wexford have found a bit form. But yes, two wins gets them to eleven, which will be yeah. hard caught. Wexford disappointing yesterday in Sligo. You know that that's ended probably any yeah. they would have had a promotion. So that probably frames that that Wicklow game a little bit different. You know, if you were to look at where Wicklow were maybe after the, the Sligo game, the second game of the league, you would have said they were, you know, miles off promotion. But now they're looking at, you know, a game against Waterford and Wexford, win both of them, and there's a good chance they're going to be promoted. Leash against Leitrim next weekend is going to be interesting. Um, you know, it, it's a must win for Leitrim to have any hope of promotion. But even if Leitrim were to lose that, they're going to go into the, the, the last league game um, in Carrick and Shannon against Sligo. Knowing that if they can beat Sligo, they're probably going to deny Sligo promotion as well. So that that's even if they're not going for promotion, <laughs> themselves, that's going to be a nice carrot for them. And you know that's just following the spade of spades. So Who, who's your biggest rivalry in Connacht? Yeah, the, um, that's an interesting question. Um, to be honest, and you know maybe it's reflective of. Uh, when I would have started playing and uh, rather than maybe where Sligo are now. So, you know, I would have joined Sligo Pan in 2008. And yeah, to be straight up with you, for me, it was Mayo. I, in the best way possible, I hate him. <laughs> and, you know, I, <laughs> I, I'd have a really deep, deep... Uh, where does that come from? Um, because, well... I would have went to college with a number of guys. So there's that rivalry from, you know, uh, you know, playing NUG with some of the Mayo lads. You know, you, you always want to beat the lads that you're friendliest with, closest to. So, um, and there was probably, you know, there was quite a, a big core to go lads there at the time. Um, and, you know, maybe the Sligo Mayo lads uh, probably got on well. And, that you, you know, you always had that wish to kind of beat them. Um, but then... Uh, I suppose that rivalry comes from jealousy, to be honest. And uh, I, I have a, a healthy level of begrudgery for what my old uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fundamental to the success of the GA. Oh, uh, club, club, and county level. I think yeah, you, you have to begrudge your neighbour in the GA. It's it's the it's the it's the foundation. So so it. so Mayo are playing Galway in a Connacht Championship final. Who are you shouting for? Oh, Galway every day, every day. Um, yeah. yeah, may or playing Dublin in All Ireland final. Who are you shouting for? There's people in Mayo, and even the players in Mayo. I'd like to see them win in All Ireland, but Dublin. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. And, like I'll, I'll be very honest with you, it, it is a jealousy because you know when we, um, you know, say 2010, we would have beat Mayo in Marketbridge Park, and that was probably a line in the sand moment because Mayo went out and. Uh, 
unfortunately they got a, a decent management uh, team in after that who you know i think transformed uh, a lot of the players in mayo you know brought them to a new level you know i would have even seen from some of the lads who would have been in college with just a completely different attitude and attitude towards their approach uh in their approach towards yeah football. it lifted them to a completely different level we played them in a kind of final in 2012 colin boyle picked the a supposed point that's I don't know. <laughs> uh, James, if you were hooked up to a lie detector, was it a point? Of course, it was a point, it was given, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we've all seen umpires in the GA lately. Neil, but, it's, um, it's, it's very impressive the way you're processing all this, Neil. You see, you're mellowing into retirement here. Yeah, you've got to let it go, Neil. You've got to let it yeah, go. I, I won't mention uh, all, all the third man uh, fouling that was the that was, yeah. that was actually the year before the black card. I think um, Sean Tanner gets the blame for bringing in the black card, but Mayo have a lot to answer for. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from my own perspective, it would be Mayo, and it's because of that, you know, rivalry with, with guys that you'd be friendly with, that begrudging respect. But at the minute, you know, the slightly like biggest rival in Connacht um, has to be Leitrim because yeah. we're playing them regularly, they're on the same level as us, they're a barrier to us getting promoted this year, and they're a barrier to us getting to a Connacht final this year and into the, the Sam Maguire around Robin. James, what's your view of Sligo? Oh, nice. <laughs> well, it was different to, to before I heard that answer from Neil. I know. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I know. I remember um, in the early days some serious tussles uh, and and Neil, Neil playing in them. So they could have they could have gone either way, to be honest. You know. So so um, and a few of my my last my last playing days. Um, I remember getting sent off against Sligo. Aim O'Hara tripped on something and 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 I got sent off as a result. But <laughs> but um yeah, yeah, it's, it's some good battle. But I, I think Neil's 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 point is very valid. The, the the playing population look at you know, numbers numbers don't lie to a certain extent. And there's huge there's a huge playing population in Mayo. Um sports on high, so you know, people are people are involved and want to play it. Um so it's very positive from that. So there's numbers, good numbers coming through all the time. You know, I I'd always expect Mayo to have, have always have a, you know a number of very good players Sligo are challenged that way with with, with everything that's going on you know and the, 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 there's the city country rural divide and all, all that kind of stuff and soccer obviously has a big impact in it in, in it you know so uh, but I, I think I think Sligo and Leitrim this year there's going to be a couple of, of serious tussles there you know and that chance again to a kind of final yeah and what what you know the prize that holds it's huge and could could I think what Neil's alluding to there a little bit, it could kick things on in Sligo if they have a very good year this year. You know, imagine promotion, imagine Connick final, you know, imagine all Ireland series. You know, that's that'd generate um some something for sure, you know. So uh, but look, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm still laughing at you, Neil. It's it's time to move on now with, with this. Come on, <laughs> row in row in behind the bandwagon and, and, and cheer us on. You know, we're all we're all west of the Shannon over here. Come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah I love yeah. this. I love this as well. Go on, sorry, Neil. Uh, I think there's just uh, uh, the area where I live. There, there's maybe just too many Mayo people around as well. We, we see too many flags and, uh, and yeah. <laughs> every flag a dagger. Who did you go to college with? Actually, <laughs> who who were you in college with? Uh, I would have been in college with Jerkaf, uh, Chrissy Barrett. I would have played Sigerson with with the two lads. Kieran yeah. uh, Connery would have been around then as well. And you put me on the spot now. I'm probably going to forget. Yeah, some of that group. <laughs> it's it's um. It's 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 one of those things though that if you see it, either Sligo or Leitrim or London are going to be in the All Ireland series because of the way the draw is loaded with Roscommon, Galway, and Mayo on the other side, which means most likely three teams from Division Two are going to be in the Talchin Cup rather than in the Sam Maguire. And at the moment, it is impossible to see or extremely unlikely to see how that won't include Kildare because of the way their season has unraveled. Morris, what's happening in Kildare, do you, as do you think? Uh, I think this goes back to what we were talking about last week with the Dublin-Tyrone situation, that you can have structural stuff or you can have whatever you want to call it, attitude, psychological stuff, and that's your pillar. And if that's not there, nothing else really matters after that. Um, and I think that is particularly evident in this Kildare team like the way they wilted against Derry I thought was was kind of glaring and 
a similar thing at the weekend. I, I really thought that we, we'd get a kick this weekend. Is this a team that they annihilated less than 12 months ago? Um, ran five goals past them and we didn't see that response at all. So I think in that regard, and that's going back to what we saw with the way Tyrone could turn around, you would assume there could be a, a short-term fix, but it doesn't look like it. The only thing is though, Paul, they have they have two, they still you would still think they have two winnable games left. Ah yeah. And then uh and then But you would have thought they had three winnable games left last week. Yeah. And now they're down to two winnable games and this, t- this begins to tighten up. It does, definitely. Yeah, it does. Uh, and it, I, I still do think that the, the that the fundamental problem is not... You can't be talking about structure, system of play, or that they don't know what they're doing because none of that is relevant unless they get the, the attitude thing right. And that is the, the, the most striking thing for me from what being after games, watching what happened against Cork, Dublin in last year's Leicester final again, is that they're... They they will did in all of those situations, and uh, so until you fix that, I think nothing else is relevant. James, I'll tell you where I think Kildare are. I think Kildare, you can make a very strong case that Kildare belong in the Talchin Cup, and not alone do they belong in the Talchin Cup, but there is far from a guarantee that they'll win it. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, like I said last week, and I still I, I think there's a lot of players with 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 with. Capability in that Kildare team. Absolutely uh, agree. I I, I, I I do look and, and again as I said, when you're not in the camp or you're not inside it, you have no idea really what what the culture is or what the attitude is or what what is or isn't going on, you know. So um but certainly performances that they're putting in, there's some there's something um there's something not right. What what you know, and whether that's they're not doing the players aren't doing their stuff, you know, away from the lights. They're not they're not really putting in the you know, there's there's an awful difference between going to the gym and really doing a gym session or you, you know, going away to going away to the pitch and working on some stuff yourself or or you know, even the commitment and the effort level actually. I, I don't know this, I'm only making assumptions here. I'm not yeah, I'm not, sure. <laughs> but you know, that's where I, you typically see where things are going. That that effort at training is it is it going to training or is it absolutely going and not going to train it out of the park? You know, with everything that you've got, that that to me those sort of areas that if they're not being applied at the highest level, you, you end up with hassle in the camp. You you know inconsistency in the fields. Um, you know the management are to blame or this are to blame or that. You know and it ends up in a, just a cesspit where. You know, some sometimes people just want out. You, you know, the nearly happy the thing ends in in, in sort of disaster. You, you know, and I'm I'm being extreme there, but but that can that can happen. So so <clears throat> their their levels of performance just it indicates there's, that there's something there's something going on. What that is, you know, unless you're in it, we we won't know. But I'd like to I'd like to see. You know, they've two games. They've meet in their last game, I think. Is that yeah? That? Yeah, they've Limerick and Mead left. Yeah, Limerick and Mead. Um, you know they've. Very winning the games for them, and 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 away go, you know. But but um, yeah, there's there's definitely something that's just not not right at the moment. And by contrast, Loud are are flying under under Mickey Hart. Why is Mickey Hart such a good manager? <laughs> um, the experience he's he's seen it all, done it all. Like how many years experience has that guy got at every age level, at club, at you know. Under twenty one at uh, you know senior with Tyrone and no doubt so he, he's an amazing experience and and he's 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 he's, he's an original thinker of the game um, for sure he's his own he's his own own, own style you know I see today read at the weekend that you know there's no backs or no forwards anymore you know they're all just football you, you know that whole format so he's always trying to to look and evolve the game to be as effective as he can for the group of players that he has and and that's what I think a, a great manager. Um, should do so. He's always thinking. He's always strategizing. But look to to get a group. He, he, you know, you, you go back to Tyrone, how organized they were. But you know, the brilliant players they had up front, and he set it up accordingly, and how aggressive they were in their attitude. Um, you know, so he, so he brings that. So you know, for attitudes to be that strong, he's obviously a very good man manager as well. Um, and, and yeah. how he communicates his message. You know, because players just hook, line, and sinker uh, buy into it. You know, and that's look. That's you're seeing it. That in, in in loud, you know, structure, organized, 
they believe in what he's saying um, and what they're trying to do and how they're trying to play and 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 they're getting the benefits from it. So it's it's it's, it's amazing to see how you know he how he can go from team to team and and, and be so successful. Can you see yourself? into your 60s, managing an inter-county team. Could you, so for example, would you cross the Great Divide over to Sligo? Could you see yourself being a manager of, of, of a different county team there? I, I don't think, I've said that a few times. No, I, I, I don't think so. But particularly being an inter-county manager in your 60s, uh, you, yeah. you know, even, it's a, well, maybe it was the way I, I, I went about it. it it's, it's a huge role. It's 80, 90, well, it's every hour you can possibly give in a week. You know, it's 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 on your mind all the time. The amount of things you have to do, it's it's a huge role. Um, and certainly, certainly, I think you've seen that with managers now. You, you know, a lot of managers re- are retired as such um, yeah. from 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 a normal role. I think that has to be for 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 nearly health reasons at this stage. It, it's a, it's a huge role. Um, so you need to be you need to be strong. You need to have the time and 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 the, and the space to do it. Were you so, asked by other counties? Were you asked by other counties during the autumn? To, uh, to 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 go and manage them, I was. Who asked you? I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to tell you. I wouldn't be fair. I'm not going to tell you. Tell you <laughs> okay, that. give me a number. T- just tell me how many asked you then. Don't tell me who they were. There was there was there was, there was well three, three four. No 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 three three three. But, but listen, just just when I have uh, you, I have you there and you're asking questions, I think maybe I can ask a question. Uh, if you if you don't mind, I know you're uh, having. I don't a like the way. I don't like this. I don't like this. A ref assessment uh, last week. I, I think it's only fair that you give us give us give us an overview of how you did. Were you happy with your performance? How how, how things ended up? That's would that be okay, Paul? There's a whole there's a whole load of GDPR issues. If you can and... just cut to the chase. We don't have and, and health, health and safety reasons why I I I think it's enough to say that it 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 wasn't the success it wasn't as big a success as it might have been is how I'd put it. Okay, okay. What 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 learnings are you taking from a course? What is it you need to look at? <laughs> that I should bring it. my whistle with me when I go and do a course. No, um, oh, I, no. I'll tell you. 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 I'll tell you how it happened. Um. So there were 50 questions and I did them in two batches of 25 and I had 15 minutes to answer 25 questions. And some of them were a little bit fiddly, but some of them were, they're, they're, I'll be brutally honest about the stuff I should know. And I, and as you know, I'd read the rule book last week. So it's not like, it's not like um, I, I shouldn't know, but I'll, t- I'll tell you, I got, um, now I have asked for clarification on a couple of them, but I, 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 yeah, there's no hiding from this. I got 17 wrong out of 50, and you have to get 80 percent to be a referee in Offaly. So I'm somewhere. I, well, oh God, what's the maths on that? So I'm somewhere around the mid 60s. What What happens now, Paul? What's What's Where does this journey go? <laughs> where does this journey go? Um, I was actually enjoying this podcast much more <laughs> about three minutes ago than I am now. I tell uh, you though, there's something. Sorry, Neil. I'd still like to hear your question answered, Paul. You, you've been very honest there. Now I, I think you're still waiting for to answer some, James. <laughs> uh, actually, Neil, we, we will we will move on from this. I will I will say, by the way, I do want to say in passing. The Offaly County Board are doing something really good this year. They're bringing all senior football managers in. They're doing a day. They're doing that test that I've done. They're going to do the. Um, they're going to do video analysis. They're going to sit down and do a workshop with referees to share to to do this thing on. I think it's a really progressive uh, step, and uh, like uh, it's one that I think can only can only help at least until a match gets serious and we all lose the head again. Um, uh, I, I want to I, I want to move this on really quickly. Neil, who's the best manager you had when you were in Sligo? That's a that's a very difficult question. <laughs> so, um, can, can I take James's approach on that one? Um, you three or four good ones. Yeah, uh, not to, not to fluff it, Paul, but I think um, they all brought unique skills, and you know, I think the idea of a manager in the GA is it's now a flawed concept, and. You know, James mentioned there. Uh, you know, some some retired guys going back into the management scene, and you know, I think that's where where the GA needs to is evolving to, but needs to evolve to. And it's kind of that 
team manager role that we maybe see in rugby where it's impossible uh, like absolutely impossible for one person to go in and take on the role of the senior intercounty manager to be the guy that's you know making the phone calls doing the logistics and putting out the cones on a, on a tuesday and a thursday night on the pitch and um, you know um, maybe i started off you would have had kevin walsh there and you know he was a super super man manager uh you know in terms of uh Sligo won a kind of title 2007, 2008, didn't go well. Maybe fellas got a little above their stations. Maybe there was a, a hangover uh, from 2007. Commitment levels maybe weren't, weren't where they needed to be. Kevin Walsh came in, completely eradicated that. You know, there was absolutely no excuses. You know, just created a real good culture of commitment and buy-in around the group. Was Kevin's strength maybe on, on the pitch um, in terms of coaching drills? You know, probably not. Has he evolved in that sense? From what I see, what he did with Galway, even from him working alongside Paddy Talley, I think he probably has hugely evolved in that, and he's bringing that those coaching skills to court now, where he doesn't have to do those management skills. But you know, Kevin Walsh as a man manager for a team in that place that we are absolutely excellent. I read his um, I read his coaching book by the way, which or his his book was kind of coaching out of very really 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 interesting really interesting insight. So I can see, okay. uh, I can see, I can see what you mean by his man management. But I do think I I do agree. I think he's put like really good systems and 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 drills into that as well. Yeah, and you know, and, and you know, maybe some of those drills and things are something he maybe would have delegated more in Sligo, and he was just the kind of guy that anybody rang him with an excuse that they weren't going to be somewhere, they came off the phone and they were going to be at that training session or at that gym session. You know, it, it was, we did, we'd still talk about it now. He just had a unique way to tell fellas they were doing something that they had no idea that they were going to be doing. And, um, you know, Niall Carew would have came in then, um, you know, again, great experience working in under Kieran McGinney, uh, you know, brought a lot of that with him. He had Ronan Sweeney from Kildare alongside him who was, you know, absolutely top class on, on the pitch. And, you know, probably in terms of, you know, football coaching, one of the best coaches that, that I would have uh, would have ever worked with. But, you know, it was, um, I think delegation uh, is probably the most important skill that the, the manager of a, of a Gaelic football team can have at the moment. Do you agree with that, James? Oh, yeah, there's, there's, there's so many tasks. Um, they're involved in managing inter-county le level it's 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 insane now particularly particularly maybe you know if you're if you're competitive each year so you you know you you hear about all these huge backroom teams um but they're needed and you got to remember all, all those are part-time there's no one full-time there's you, you know there's people doing it with, with you know with their family life and with, with the normal working life so it's it's a huge huge task but but even with all that delegation, um, and and Neil's one hundred percent right. You need to take away the logistics. You need to take away any of the organisation, any of the admin, any of that stuff. You know, you know, managing players' lifestyle outside football, whatever. All that kind of stuff needs to be taken away from manager. But even with that, you're probably dealing with 40, 45 players, and ultimately, if a player isn't playing, you know, he wants. It's the conversation that needs still needs to be with 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 yeah. the manager as such. You know, there's other things, the selectors and whatever. There's other sort of prep conversations, but but you know, if someone's playing or not, it's still so. There's still even with all that taken away, it's it's a, it's a huge huge task, a very enjoyable one, uh, regarding, but but it's a huge huge task now. Um, and I do think there needs to. Be, I think Neil's touched on that. There needs to be some sort of structure methodology around uh, around management in, in, in the GA. Um, because it's 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 such a huge huge um, area now. Yeah, and I think even to take it from like a micro level of you know a club, you know there, there's so many clubs around the country that are maybe you know come the end of the season you hear them say oh you know we need to get a new manager we need to get a new manager there's nobody in the club that can do it. But I think every club in the country has people who can maybe manage the team, and that's maybe you know uh, pick pick a 15 at the weekend, maybe even tactically decide this is the way we're going to play. But there's very few clubs in the country who will have people within the club who can manage the team and coach the team and even have that knowledge of maybe S&C that's required. Yeah. That's that's just the basis now. So it's, you know, I think this idea of a manager is, you know, it's a thing of the past. Yeah. 
it's that yeah we're going back to committee morris i'm gonna really put you on the spot here to 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 finish up um who's going to be relegated from division one uh i'll say donegal and i think monaghan will go i'd like to thank uh Neil, for, for joining us today, it's uh, been a pleasure to have you, to James as well, um, for everything, and to, and, and, uh, to Morris. We're going to thanks to Larry Ryan for running the podcast, to Raf Rocca, to Jack Neville, to Tony Lean, and to everyone at Examiner Sport, and thanks to Allianz uh, for, for their support. Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Allianz Leagues.